0: But when words are not enough Amen. to tell you of our love, just listen to our hearts.
1: Praise the Lord. Let's bow our heads together if you would today. <clears throat> Father, we're so thankful today that we serve such an awesome God. Amen. In one way, it's hard for me to understand how your people of the Old Testament would have seen so many wonderful, phenomenal spiritual things, and yet it was their tendency to fall back into idolatry, worship images of gods who had never healed, gods who had never saved, gods who had never delivered. Actually, they'd never even seen one manifestation, but it was the unconverted nature of man to fall back into that which was opposite to you Lord we're so grateful that you help us in these troublesome times Lord as I heard these prayer requests that brother Aaron had read this morning and they were so many yet father we know that if we bring them all to you today and this is just one small assembly So if the people from Africa, Asia, Canada, all over the United States, all over the world, would lay their many, many petitions before you today, and you would answer them all according to your will, by the end of the day, you would have just as much power as you had before we ever prayed them. For we know we can never exhaust your goodness and your mercy. Help us today, Fathers, we desire to hear from you with all of our hearts, Lord. We believe we're living in the end time. We know that we are an end time people and it takes an end time message to prepare us for something that's never been before, a universal rapture and body change. Speak to us today, Father, from your word, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Isn't it an honor to be gathered together today <clears throat> in the house of the Lord? Let's turn to Genesis chapter 24, if you would. <clears throat> we'll read verse, start reading verse 51. It's always such a privilege to be able to be gathered in the house of God with the saints, but what um, our world has been through in this last year, so many people are not able to have church and be in church, and it makes me appreciate it that much more. Well, uh, <clears throat> hearing from people in Africa and India, even Canada, our neighbor north of us, and still can't have church, and it just breaks my heart for them. I cannot imagine going a year And not been able to assemble yourself together with the saints of God. Hear the word and be in his presence. Don't you appreciate the privilege of it? Behold, Rebecca is before thee. Take her and go. And let her be thy master's son's wife. As the Lord hath spoken. And it came to pass that when Abraham's servant heard their words, he worshipped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. And the servant brought forth jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment and gave them to Rebekah and gave also to her brother and to her mother, Precious things. I want you to notice now in verse 53 we have two separate parts of this that's going to develop into the Jewish tradition of marriage. The first one was the servant brought forth jewels of silver. Now remember he already gave her a few things at the well. But the gospel as we would liken it to that message had not went forth fully yet. So he gives her a few gifts, then he tells her what he wants to tell her, and then she responds. Now we come to where that he's gone to their house, the parents' house. And they had to have the say, of course, whether or not she would marry this man. So once they hear the reply of the servant, and the servant hears their reply back, then he gives her jewels of silver, jewels of gold, and Raymond and gave them to Rebecca. Now this is the Matan, M-A-T-T-A-N, the Matan. This was a special gift picked by the groom himself to give to the bride through the servant on the behalf of the groom. Now notice the last part of this verse, and he gave also to her brother and to her mother precious things. So there were two powers that was trying to stand between this messenger and Rebecca. That was the brother which represented preachers, so the prophet said, and her mother, which represented the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. He gave also to her brother and to her mother precious things. May the Lord bless his words. You may be seated. <clears throat> that which was given to Rebecca, as I said, being the matan, personalized gift. Silver, of course, we know speaks of redemption, gold speaks of deity. And raiment, according to Josephus, it was raiment of beautiful. And elaborate colors, tapestry, purples, blues, and so on. And yet, what he gave to the brother and gave to the mother was part of the bride price, which is the mohar, M O H A R. Doesn't really tell us exactly what it was, other than it was costly or in our English terms, it was expensive. So it wasn't just Rebecca that benefited by this coming messenger, but it was the system that she also came out of. You see, it was considered by the bridegroom and the bridegroom's family, and also on the bride's family, that the bride was an asset. And that asset was going to be gained by the bridegroom and by his family. But she was an asset which was going to be lost by the family of the bride. So they had to be compensated, if you will. And the price would be according to the bridegroom's father's wealth. Now, the girl herself could have been very, very poor, as we find in the Song of Solomon that the Shulamite woman was. She was a very poor woman living in the northern part of Israel. Solomon on a journey there to survey part of his northern kingdom, and he sees her out in the field, and she was a shepherdess, keeping the flock. Her brothers had had been mean to her and also um, taken advantage of her, and she had to watch their flock as well. And she had really no wealth, no name, no riches, but the Mohar was not determined because of the wealth of the bride or the wealth of her family. But it was determined by the wealth of this bridegroom. Now, let us read, if you would, in Genesis chapter 29, verse 18, and we'll go from from here to backwards a little bit we'll go or forwards rather to genesis 29 and whenever jacob which is another seed of god 2918 and jacob loved rachel and said i will serve thee 7 years for rachel thy younger daughter now remember when he come that jacob did not bring a bride price with him or if he did, it was lost along the way. And Jacob now was 57 years old. So he's not a young man, and he's not a man that was a man of great reputation. He kind of picked up things that didn't belong to him along the way. He was not a man that his brother would recommend. Probably right now, His father wouldn't have had a great recommendation for him. His mother would have spoke well, but she would have been pretty much the only one. So if Laban would have done a credit check and a little background check on Jacob, I'm not sure he'd wanted him to keep his sheep or give him his youngest daughter. But Jacob fell in love with Rachel And we know that Laban had two daughters. The one, the oldest, was Leah. And the scripture says that she had tender eyes. Now, Leah was not a a beautiful woman. She was not an attractive woman. But Rachel was very, very beautiful. But actually, God, and many of the times looking at it, favored Leah over Rachel. Though Jacob loved Rachel. Now I want you to think he had no mohar, no bride price, nothing that he would be able to give her. But he says, I will work for you, Laban, for seven years. Now I want you brothers that are not married, and those of you that are, to think about this business deal that he's gonna make. He's not going to work for her and get a salary. He's not going to, 10% of it will go to her, you know, the value of her, but all he's going to get at the end of the seven years is her. Now, what I see in this man is a type that he could not represent while he was there with his father. I see something about this man that a woman brought out which was so divine that God would use it as a type. Now granted, there was very little about Jacob that could type Christ, but here we're fixing to see just a little glimpse of a type of Christ in Jacob's life. So, And Jacob loved Rachel. And said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. So, seven years is quite a long time. Now, think you're not getting a salary on the side, and you're not getting, you know, just tips on the side. This is the only thing you're getting for seven years no cars, no horses, no chariots. This is it. You get her at the end of seven years. Now, to me, I don't see this out of the man that we've read in these previous chapters. What I see in these previous chapters is a man that was very selfish. A man that was self-centered. A man that was a deceiver and a liar. Is that right? A man that Pretty much himself was what he thought about. But what is it now that we see about this man that is so willing to live for someone else in a way that he's never done before? And what was it that brought this out in this man? A wife. A woman. You see a woman has great things about her if she's aligned properly with the right man. Now his father didn't change him. His mother was a woman, but she didn't change him. As a matter of fact, Rebecca helped aid in his deception. So it was not a mother's love. Now we thank God for a mother's love. It's a wonderful love, but a mother's love did not bring this out of him. It only enhanced what he already was. So what do we see capturing Jacob? Before his name now is changed, moved into the fullness of that name. But we see it was a woman. A woman of such profound beauty. But there must have been something about Rachel that was more captivating than just her beauty. Now remember his mother's name was Rebecca, as we're reading here in Genesis 24, and it was her name, which means captivating, and she also was a very beautiful woman. It's amazing when you look at these these first few women here of the patriarchs, how that beauty was emphasized. And yet we look now and see that God is moving on this man's heart. And you think Jacob now valued this woman so much that he would be willing to be a shepherd. Now we don't really know a lot about him in his background as far as his labor, what he did. But we know that his father was a man of herds and he must have tended to the flocks and already had flocks. But yet he was a son so he had servants. So he could have said, you go here, you go there, you do this, you do that. But now he's not going to be the master of this flock and send shepherds out to do it. But he himself is entering into the phase of a workman or a servant slash slave. For one thing, one thing, a woman. Hallelujah. You see, it speaks highly, the way I'm looking at it, it speaks highly of Rachel. She really didn't know this man very well. Us knowing him better than Rachel did. Us looking at it and thinking what we're thinking. And him responding in such a way that he would do this it speaks very highly of her as well. No one in his entire life had ever affected him in such a way. His father, a prophet, a great man. His mother, chosen of God. Can't say much about his brother. But his grandfather being a great man. And yet none of those people had brought out of him this something that this woman had captivated. So he makes the agreement with Laban, I'll serve you seven years for your youngest daughter. Now you gotta watch the words of Laban. And the way that Laban answers him, if you'll study it real close, we won't read it to save time, but he did not exactly say that he would give him Rachel first. Now, remember his background has been a shyster, deceiver. Guess what God's gonna use to teach him a few lessons? A shyster that's smarter than him. Now, let me show you what I'm seeing here. As the Lord woke me up early Friday morning hmm, and started giving me this Notice in Hebrews chapter 12, let me say this before I go there. Men who truly love their wives, values them and holds them in high esteem. To a a real son of God, a woman is not a sex object. To a real son of God, a woman is not a piece of property. Like a car, a house, a mule, a dog, a cat. But a real son of God looks at that woman and realizes that she's not just given unto him, but he's also given unto her. And that God, through their union, will bring something out of both of them that their mother and father and all their siblings could never do. And Jacob has now been touched by something that would seem inferior, a feminist spirit, had now so touched his heart in the embodiment of this woman. Now watch Paul as he catches this in the bigger view. Looking unto Jesus, the Author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy That was set before him. Endured the cross. Despising the shame. And is set down at the right hand. Of the throne of God. This woman has now. Inflicted upon Jacob. A sense of self-denial. A sense of self-sacrifice. And this is what I see happened to our Lord. Who for the joy that was set before him. What was that joy? It was you. Who for the joy that was set before him. He bore the shame of nakedness. He bore the shame of being called Beelzebub. You so captivated his heart. Oh. You see, we actually are his joy and his crown of rejoicing. We are what he placed before him to help him go through this. I think we can learn by that example. If he put us before him, we should put him before us. And it will help us to deal with whatever life throws us. We'll be able to deal with it. Notice this in St. John 6.39. And this is the Father's will. Now here the embodiment of the eternal, as we call the sonship of God, is relating to us the will of Father God. And this is the Father's will. I love this word will. It is thelema, which is desire, pleasure. What one wishes or has determined shall be done. Of what God wishes to be done by us commands or precepts. This is the Father's will which hath sent me that of all which he has given me, I should lose nothing. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But should raise it up again at the last day. You see, the Lord Jesus went through all that he did. And this that we've been speaking about now for for quite some time, the kenosis and the humiliation and the embarrassment and the shame it was that he might have a seed like to himself, a people which would be a bride slash daughter to himself. You see, you are his daughter in the sense of being from the same source of divinity, but you are his sister in that you are from the source of humanity. Notice this in St. John 17, 24. Father, I will. I don't know if you've ever noticed this before or not. But we now enter into the final phase of the mediatorial work before glorification. And for the first time, He's able to express what he wants, and he says it with authority. Every other time when Jesus asks, it says, I pray, I pray, I pray. But now he doesn't say, I pray, but I will. You see, it was the spirit of incarnation to say, not my will, but yours be done. It was the spirit of incarnation, as we just read, for him to refer solely to the Father's will. But he's so close, he's so close to the end of the journey He now leaves into the Father's care his last will and testament. And what is it? Notice, not asking, will you please? I want you to. I pray, I will. Notice this, Father, I will. Now this is what he's asking for. But it's beyond praying that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. The first and only place that it comes out of the mouth of Jesus, the very dictate of his will, I will. And he asks for what? Stars, gold, gold, Silver, moons, Mars, Saturn, for you. I know we grieve when our loved ones die. I know we grieve whenever we bury them and they go by the way of the grave as we say, but don't you understand every child of God that goes by the way of the grave is an answer to this prayer? You see, the Lord Jesus is just not praying in the fold of the rapture, but this is twofold, resurrection and rapture. So the spirit of incarnation was that thy will be done, not mine. But now he comes so close to the finale of his work in this intimate chapter of St. John 17. So he wants the Father to take his New Testament. And he renders to him the very purpose and he places it, as it were, in the Father's hand. Now he's asking for your fellowship. He does not ask for all the world. He doesn't even ask for all saved people. He doesn't even ask for just the apostles. But he asked for the elect. How can you say that, Brother Donnie? Because he said it himself. Those that thou hast given me. They were already his before he come to the earth. Amen. Is that right? Yes, they were already his. Now, they're going to become his children, his spouse. And the I will in the Greek, it has this ring, this tone of authority. So it is an expression of love that he's speaking in the future tense. I know it's hard for us to comprehend this because we can't say this actually. But it's a longing for you, a petition of his will to be in his presence. Then and only then, of course, when we are gathered together, will he see as Isaiah prophesied the travail of his soul that they may be with me where I am. Notice this in things that are to be. The prophet said Jesus only asked for one thing in his prayer to the Father. You know what that was? One thing. After all of his sacrifice that he did on the earth, oh my, listen to this, friends. The life that he lived, the path that he walked, he asked for one thing, that where I am, they may be also. He asked for our fellowship. That's the only thing he asked the Father in the prayer, your companionship forever. If you wanna read this in St. John 17, 24th verse, that's how, then how much should we desire him? Oh my. Now listen, if you really are born of the Spirit of God, that means everything to you. It's not just a good little quote. It's not a good little scripture. That means everything to you. See, it ain't some book of rules. You don't live by any laws and so forth. You live by the grace of God, the spirit of God. Notice he goes on to say, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. Now watch, you have to listen to this carefully, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me from before the foundation of the world. Now, of course, it is dignity and honor, and the Greek word is doxa, and it is something that was given to the Son. Now, this is different from that which came out of the eternal in the beginning. When in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was God. Now, the word here that Jesus uses is that they may behold my glory, but it is more than just looking at. It is also a looking and a partaking. You see, in that great eighth-day kingdom, we will not just be there and we'll be slaves on the outside. There won't be no slaves, thank God. But we will be partaking of his great kingdom as the queen of paradise. You see, he wants us to think, in the way that he puts this, of the future glory of the divine human nature. You see, he had this glory which come from the eternal realm of the great mighty Jehovah, which it was God giving birth to a son in the form of a little white light or the pillar of fire, the Logos. But he had never been given a human glory. And now he wants, he's praying, Father, I want my bride to see the glory and share the glory. Lord, children, I want my bride to see the glory and share the glory of the divine human creature that I have become. Don't you see, him becoming that is a forerunning of what you and I will be when we are glorified. Now truly, we were part of the divine. That attribute that is in us today was in the eternal before the world began. You believe that? Oh my, but why our human bodies are so far from bearing the image, and even right now when the Lord Jesus is saying this, his human body, they saw little excerpts of it in Matthew 17, and they saw the glory of God come down, but it came down and it left. And they were fixing to see the Father even leave him in the garden of Gethsemane. But they're going to see with his resurrection the personification of the glory of God, when it would bring together both divine and human together and this would make the new creation. So the Lord Jesus is the first of this new race. They will not just be divine, and they will not just be human, but they will be both together. So he wants us to look at this and he said now the pre-incarnate, let's call it this, that the pre-incarnate glory that he had was that which was given to him before the foundation of the world. But he wants us to understand that there's more than that as well. What's this in St. John 17:4? I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work. Now notice he's praying as if though it's already happened. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Now he wants, he's praying, he's desiring to go back into that which he was, which was the pre-incarnate work or the glory of God that was upon him before he became a human. Friends, there's no way in the world, I don't think without God helping us to see it, we'll ever to be able to comprehend what he gave up to come to this world. But what was it that made it all? Well, what made it worse? Every bit of that, you and I, our fellowship. He didn't need another earth. He didn't want more stars and more planets. What, what did he want that he didn't have? Glorified humans, glorified humans. Now watch, let's look back at Jacob again now, Genesis 29, 19. And Laban said, it is better that I give her to thee then I should give her to another man. Ah, prince of tricksters. Sounds like a used car salesman. (laughs) Abide with me. And Jacob served seven years. Now I trust there's men here today that would do the same for your wife. Don't, don't raise no hands, don't anybody even bat an eye eyelash or anything, brother, she's got eyes on the side of her head and around her head, she's watching you. You better be careful, man. <laughs> Jacob served seven years for Rachel and they seemed unto him. Whoa. Now, why? whoa is right, brother Joel, be careful now, brother. Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him. Friends, can't you see something happened to him? I imagine, Brother Dal, he was surprised himself. He entered into a phase that very few people of the Old Testament ever got to experience And that was become a type of Christ. And they seemed unto him, but a few days, do the multiplication. Seven years times 365 days a year. Figure it out. But to him, it was just like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Wow, it's time to get married. And some of your brothers is looking at me, and you've been married for 20 years, and you're saying, well, brother Donnie, it's just about five minutes underwater." <laughs> <laughs> you see, Jacob was a type of Christ, and Rachel. Now, remember, in types, as we looked at it a couple of weeks ago, types. You have to be careful with them. And and God would, would use only a portion of a man's life. Maybe just like this about Jacob. Just a little instance or two for a type that would represent something. He was not going to hide everything in types. Neither was he going to have it all written out in the Old Testament. He's hiding it from a great enemy, remember. So some of it he'll write out in the written word. Others he'll write out in the lives of people and they will live it out, and it's the rhema of God written out, and they never say one, thus saith the Lord. But it's the word anyhow. Amen. Amen. So Jacob types Christ, Rachel types the bride. So what did he do? He, he served Laban seven years for Rachel. Our Lord Jesus has served seven church ages. I nearly tore the sheets off my bed the other day when the Lord showed me this, I'm telling you what. My little dear darling wife was still asleep and I don't know how in the world I kept from waking her up. The Lord Jesus has served as priest, mediator, oh hallelujah, for his wife, not for seven years, but for seven church ages. But brother, sister, it's almost going home time. Remember old Jacob and the seven years come up, and he went up on Laban's door and began to knock on that door and said, I want my wife. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. We know how that story went, don't we? Not my- But I guarantee you when the Lord Jesus gets ready to pound on the door of time and say, glory to God, to time, I want my wife. The dead will come up out of the ground. Those that are alive shall be changed in a moment, hallelujah. He will not be deceived, he will not be tricked. He will get his Rachel. it amazing that once you get true love, what true love can do for you. True love has the ability of making obedience and even difficult situations pass in such a seemingly easier way. Jacob had never loved anyone like this. It never felt this way. So here he is, he's, as I said, 57 years old when this starts. So now he's 64. Lord have mercy, that's how old I am. I cannot imagine just getting a wife and not only that, you wind up with two in one week. Woo, Jesus. You remember the story. So he's, he's 57 years old when he starts working. Oh, he said they live longer. They did. But this man is still at middle age, the way that they lived. Notice this in Hosea chapter 12, verse 2. And Jacob fled into the country of Syria, and Israel served for a wife, and for a wife He kept sheep. You see, this displays to us a new character, a new feature in the character of Jacob that we had not seen before. Now, remember, he's going to go up to the house and get what he thinks. You know, he's serving notice on Laban, and that night they will meet and under the hupa the last things will exchange the vows but the bride is veiled right. and even in the bridal chamber there are no lights poor guy <laughs> what a surprise in the morning <laughs> wow. Amen. so what must he do Another seven years is added on to his servitude. For Laban says, no, that it's not our custom to give the younger before the elder. And well, he said, but I'll served you for Rachel. He said, give, give to Leah her week, which meant he lived with her as wife for a week, and then I'll give you Rachel. But it means you gotta serve me seven more years for Rachel. He said, how does that work? You imagine when he said, we don't give the younger here before the elder. He had heard them words before. Oh my friends, what a love that he must have experienced. You see, Rachel being a type of the bride was a shepherdess as well remember the first time jacob saw her they were bringing their sheep and their goats and jacob rolled back this large stone away from the mouth of the well to give them drink so here rachel was a shepherdess she was the fairest among the daughters of women as the song of solomon says about the bride she was also a sufferer of his sufferings. Rachel must have known, she would have to have known, that this trick was gonna be played on her husband. you imagine her going to her room that night when her older sister is given to her husband? She entered into sufferings with Jacob. You see, for the bride, Christ entered into this span of servitude of humanity on the earth. He gave service. He gave his life's blood. Let me tell you this. In Laban, Jacob met his match. He is going to wind up getting 20 years of service out of Jacob. But you see, God is using this hard time to develop a character in Jacob that he never had before. Praise be to God. Notice how Moses' words is, and Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him but a few days. And this is what offset the labor for the love. He had to, You see, love actually stimulates the best service. You know, the main reason that Christians have a hard time doing what God wants them to do is because they don't love him right. And you see, when you separate the love of God away from the do's and the don'ts and the works and so on, it can become very, very monotonous. And it can be very, very difficult and very legal, and people just get wore well, out. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got. Why well, are they always demanding this? Whenever you hear that, you know there's a person that's not loving the Lord Jesus right. Amen. Paul said there in Second Corinthians that the love of Christ constraineth us, and the word is actually compel or forces us. To do this, those who are in love with the Lord Jesus, no matter what, ever ask them to do. Their flesh may not want to, but the love of God in them constrains them into obedience. So here's this man that works year one, year two, year three, four, five, six, and seven, and it seemed as if though it was but a few days. Now I realize we only have Moses' word for this, and Moses was the only one that wrote it, and uh, you know, we have to take his word for it, which I will do that, since he was a prophet of God. Anybody else here with me on the same page? This is what Moses said, and I don't believe that Moses was guessing about it. I believe it was revealed to him by the Spirit of God. You see, when Christ, his love in our hearts is lacking, then our works and our do's and our don'ts, they become so difficult. And our burdens become so heavy. And all the things that we're supposed to do become so hard for us to bear. All you need to do is fall in greater love with him. Oh, my. Did not he tell one of the church ages in Revelation chapter two, verse four, I have somewhat against you because you have left your first love. And their works become so hard. Oh, I gotta go to church. I gotta do this, that, the other. Now watch, let, us, let us look now again at the Matan and the bride-price, the Mohar, and a different example. We turn to Jacob's daughter. Her name was Dina. Genesis 34, one, and Dina the daughter of Leah, the only daughter that we have record of that they had given to Leah, which she bare unto Jacob, huh, went out to see the daughters of the land. Now what in the world is a message girl? What any business has she got going out seeing the daughters of the land? Now, Dina is about 15 to 16 years old, something like that. What a difference between her and her grandmother, Rebecca. At 16 years old, she followed a man back to marry a man she'd never seen before, a journey of faith. But Dina, being the only girl and raised up with all these old rough boys and you'll imagine she's catered to and no doubt pampered and petted and so on, And there must have been a little bit of lack in the home. Oh, boy, we're fixing to get into it now. Why would they allow her to do this? A 15, 16-year-old girl. Her father just got married when he was 64. So what makes her sink? That she is such a judge of character that now she can go out cause she's in the message and she's following this line of the prophets and... Praise the Lord. And her pretense was to go out and see the daughters of the Lamb. Maybe we'll say to see how they dressed or to see how they danced or to see how they, just how they did things cause all she had ever known really was the message. Oh, my. I no doubt she had, you know, just a little, maybe a little bit of a desire to see the young men of the land as well. I mean, since you're there and they're there, there's no need in just looking, are they? You see, Dina's past was a reflection of the bad choice of her father, Jacob. Now remember, Jacob's life was a type of Christ only in very small increments. And Jacob had wound up going to a land of convenience, not the land of promise. The land was called Shechem, And it was a land which would benefit him in his trading. But actually they're not supposed to be there in the first place. So it was a land of compromise. A place of disobedience. Now you mothers and fathers remember it's not just you that you're leading this journey toward heaven, but it's your children as well. The way you teach them are things sometimes that you don't teach them. So Jacob chooses Shechem because of material advantages, not spiritual ones. Oh, my goodness. Y'all get any quieter? I won't even need a microphone. Now, notice what we find. So here we have Jacob being a, a chosen of God, but yet he got slack and went to a land that would bring him material advantage and our spiritual advantage, and now he's got a teenage daughter. And she's curious. All she knows is a message church, message teaching. Profit this, profit that, profit something else. Chosen this, elect this. And don't get out there among them. We're not supposed to be among them. Well, how come we ain't supposed to be among them? I wanna see what they do. I wanna see how they, how they behave. I wanna see. And our mama or somebody let her go. Amen. Now it just so happens Notice this in verse two, when Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite. Now what's amazing is this prince has the name of the land. (laughs) Lord God help us that we don't get the name of Laodicea. This prince actually is named the name of the land where he lives. Let me be called a misfit. Let me be called crazy, misunderstood. Don't let me be called a true Laodicean. The prince of the country saw her. He took her and lay with her and defiled her. Now the scripture mentions nothing about this being in her plans. No doubt it was not a part of her plans. She had no intentions of being used like this. She just went out to see. But you have to be careful what you go to see. Notice this in verse 11. Now, Shechem actually did wrong, but it seems as if though that his motives turned once again by the love of a woman. Young woman, 15, 16 years old. So he was wrong in the what that he did. But he's so moved by his love for her. Listen to his plea. And Shechem said unto her father and to her brethren, let me find grace in your eyes. And what you shall say unto me, I will give. Ask me never so much, mohar, dowry. And gift matan. And I will give according as you shall say unto me, but give me the damsel to wife. Now the mohar is the purchase price for a wife or wedding money. The gift is a matan, which is a gift, an offering of for a present. Now the deed starts out very, very wrong, sinful. But he actually falls in love with her. And the Bible condenses his truth, we don't know how long that this goes on. But he falls in love with her and he wants her for his wife. So he don't want her to be just a sex toy. He wants to marry her. And he, notice how he responds to message terms. So he said, I'll go to church, I'll do this and that and the other. Now this was something common, not only just among Abraham's people, but in the people of this time, you can find it in the Hurrian text that they found many, many years ago in the round cuneiform, which was written on scrolls round. And they found them uh, because they were in clay, clay cuneiforms, and they were stamped or marked with impressions and then rolled up in pieces of of metal and kept in a very, very dry, humid atmosphere. And they found transfers of deeds and properties and marriage vows and so on and so on. So it was something that was very common among them. And the fathers of the groom and the father of, of the bride and the brothers had to come together because it was something that was going to reflect the bride of this son would reflect the grandfather's heritage, and his name, and his posterity. So notice this in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. Even as the son of man came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life, A ransom. Now this is the son of man himself. And I want you to notice how many he says he's going to give it for. Not for everybody. But for many. These are his words. Argue with him. So the Lord Jesus is taking this now upon himself. So we see the types come from Jacob. From Shechem. And the Lord Jesus, he answers this because the mother of James and John had come to him in a few verses prior to this and she said, I want you to let my boys in your kingdom. I want you to let one of them sit on the left hand and one of them sit on the right hand. And this is Jesus' answer. Even the son of man didn't come from heaven to be ministered to, but to minister to serve, to be Jehovah's servant in service for death. Can I have a little bit more of your time? Notice the word here that he says, the son of man came. So this declares his preexistence in another form, in another dimension. The word ransom is the price for redeeming, paid for slaves, captives for the ransom of life, to liberate many from misery and the penalty of their sins. How many can say that's me? He died in the place of sinners that God would accept his life in substitutionary value for sinners' lives. Notice this, Hebrews 9, 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, through his Father, he offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Notice this in Exodus chapter 30, verse 11. This is in reference to what is going to be called the atonement money or the shekel of the sanctuary. You may wonder how Catholicism would get some of its things. And if you study the Old Testament, if you're familiar with it, they take from there what they choose and they try to merge it into their church. You may wonder why they believed in penances and novenias and all these different things. But actually in the symbol of the Old Testament, God had them to bring the shekel of the sanctuary. You can find this in Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. And this is why when Jesus came in into the temple in the book of Matthew and also Luke, whenever he came there and he turned over the table of the money changers. You ever wonder why they needed money changers there? Well, because they had a certain shekel, which was for the tabernacle only. So you could not take that shekel down and buy a loaf of bread. You could not take it to a restaurant and buy a meal. It was money which was used for the house of God only. So you would bring your money. Now remember Jerusalem was a multicultural, multinational people. So they would have Jews coming from Syria, from Lebanon, from all these different places. And they would have their own money that they had at home. So they needed, hallelujah, they needed a place which their money could be exchanged. So they would bring their money from Lebanon or their money from Spain or wherever they were. And the money changers were set there and they would exchange their money for the shekel of the temple. And the Lord spake unto Moses saying, when thou takest the sum of the children of Israel after their number, then they shall give every man a ransom for his soul unto the Lord. When thou numberest them, that there be no plague among them when thou numberest them. This they give, one that passeth among them that are numbered half a shekel after the shekel of the sanctuary. A shekel is 20 giras. A half a shekel shall be the offering of the Lord. Everyone that passeth among them that are numbered from 20 years old and above shall give an offering unto the Lord. But this is not now a free will offering, just a love offering. But it is redemption money. And when they drop this shekel into the offering plate, they are going, if they're a real believer, feel as it were on a a wash coming over their being. For they have now been redeemed by the redemption money. Now, there's still gotta be a Paschal lamb. There has to be turtle doves, pigeons, and so on. But this money is something that God is gonna let them do. Remember, the priest alone could offer the bullock. The priest alone could offer the pigeon. But this is something they can do. And they will drop this shekel of the sanctuary. And when they do, they will feel that atonement for their soul, and thou shalt take the atonement money of the children of Israel and shall appoint it for the service of the tabernacle of the congregation that it may be a memorial unto the children of Israel before the Lord to make an atonement for your souls. To put them in mind that they were deserving of death. But this will render to them a sense that they have been bought. Let me share this with you before we close having flown into different parts of the world. Uh, many of you have too. And whenever you get ready to leave many of the international airports in America, they will have exchange booths. They're near, near departure gates. And in there, they will have all types of currency that'll be listed. Many of them will have the digital display and they will come up, Kenya shillings, South African rand, South Korean dollars, you know whatever it is, and it will give you the current exchange rate. God had a waste of light and love and mercy and kindness and forgiveness, but light cannot bleed. How is God ever going to get light into a spendable form of currency? A theophany cannot suffer. A glorified body cannot feel pain. But God had to get a bride price into a spendable form. So there had to be an exchange. A kenosis, as you will. Kenya shillings, which I've had and still have some of them. One Kenya shilling, as of yesterday, about 430. equals 0.009107 of a U.S. dollar. Or a U.S. dollar equals 109.8. Kenya shillings, the euro, sole currency of 19 European Union members. One U.S. dollar will purchase .8 of a euro. South African rand, now these are ones that I have purchased myself and used. One U.S. dollar equals 14.7 South African rand. Indian rupees, one U.S. dollar, it'll take 72.46. Zimbabwe dollar, 361. Last time I was there, it was probably 60 to one. Now it's 361. So here is this great riches, this trove of heavenly treasures in the realm of the eternal. Where's the exchange booth? Now, Some countries around the world, you're able to go and they will accept Visa, MasterCard, some American Express, some diners club, Carte Blanche, just different cards that they will accept. But in some places, they won't accept a card, a credit card. Some of them want the US dollar. Now, what's amazing about the exchange booths is they will give you one rate when you go in. And then if you've got a whole lot of that money coming out and you want to sell it back to them, they'll give you a cheaper rate buying it back. So they get you both coming and going. But God don't work that way. He suffered the entire loss himself. So I've walked up to some of these booths and say, I'm going to Kenya, and Brother Jim would give me how many ever hundred dollars that I would tell him, and I would walk up there, I need so many shillings, Kenya shillings, I need so many rand, I need this or that, because some of those people do not accept the US dollar. They want their own currency. So you walk in and you pick up a drink and you pick up this and that and the other, and you give them your US dollar. No, 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 no take, no take, no take. Unless it's black market. Now, if it's black market, that's a different story. They'll exchange rate with you too. So you see, here we were. We were in this predicament. God has all this wealth and he has the bride price. And here's the bride down on the earth but there's not a spendable currency. Light can't bleed. Grace can't suffer. Mercy, harmony cannot feel pain. So God himself had to go into the exchange booth. There, that great space where no man No one can fathom in their mind beyond that. That space, eternity. That's Jehovah God out there. And we're taught in the beginning that the Logos, or the Son of God, went out of God. The Son of God was not a man. It was God himself giving birth to his attribute, the word. So we're not talking about two gods or three gods. We're talking about the same God coming into a tangible, future-spendable form. Notice this. Let's just picture now a little drama so we can get it. Let's see something out of space when there's nothing. Let's make it a little white light, like a mystic light, like a halo. And that was the Logos that went out of God in the beginning. That was the Son of God. Now this is the prayer that Jesus said, Father, return me to the state of glory that I was with you before the world began. This is the glory that he had to lay aside, the kenosis. Why? In order to get the exchange rate. Many of y'all have seen foreign money, have you? Haven't you? Different colors. Well, to some of us, it looks like monopoly money, don't it? It looks so strange and so unusual because we're not used to it. But to them, it is very, very spendable. So here was the eternal, and he must exchange. He must exchange, and always when you exchange money, it's gonna cost you something. Now, if I check up these rates right here this evening, they may have changed one way or the other. Just day before yesterday, the South African rand went to the highest that it's ever been as far as in comparison to the U.S. dollar. Tomorrow, I might check it. It may be at a record low. So God had to step into the booths And exchange deity, glory, theophany, and come out on the other side. He stepped in the mighty Elohim. And he couldn't even step out on the other side because a baby can't walk. So here he was dropped from the mother's womb. Now I know many times we say, Lord, let me be the manger. Oh, let me be the manger. Apparently you haven't listened to the message far enough. Matter of fact, I've been listening to Brother Bram say it over and over again. He said, God wants you to be the stable full of manure. Ooh. Oh yeah, we thought we was really humbling ourselves, didn't we, by being the manger. Come on down what you really are. Come on, saints. Don't just say, oh Lord, let me be the manger. Let me be the manger, Lord. Oh, let, let me be that straw. Let me be that pile of dirt, that pile of manure. Come on now. Don't sit there and look at yourself like you're some great important something or another. You're a stinking rotten mess. Eternity is never a good place to stop, but I'm gonna have to stop right here in eternity. Let's make it a little white light, a little mystic light like a halo. That was the Logos that went out of God in the beginning. That was the Son of God that came out of the bosom of the Father. That was what was in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. In the beginning was the Word. Then out of God came the Logos, a part of God that went out of God. Notice this again. A son has to be born of. So the Logos, which was the son of God, that went out of God, that brewed over the earth. Now let's just picture just a being, a white halo coming out of that space. That was the son of God, the Logos. There it was in space, moving around like a little child, playing before the door of its parent. And he drawed in his mind what should be cruelty of sin. In the beginning was God. Now watch what come into existence. A little white light, we'll call it, like a halo. That was the Son of God, the Logos that went out of God in the beginning. Isn't that wonderful? But it's not spendable. So let's take a white light, a halo, up to the redemption booth and say, I want to buy William Smith's soul. And you hold the pawn ticket holder a little white light. Sir, the Federal Reserve does not recognize this as being our currency. But this is great currency. Maybe in the world you're from, but not Washington, D.C. Well, let me hand you a seophany. Let me hand you mercy. Let me hand you eternal life, sir. U.S. dollars. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus. Lord God, as we by our heads to the stable that we come out of. Dust we are, and to dust we shall return. Dear Jesus, as Jacob could labor for seven years and seem but, but a few days, so you have been our high priest, our mediator, our kinsman, redeemer, our goel, All these wonderful, beautiful things for 2,000 years, seven church ages, waiting on that last one to be dropped in the bleach of your blood. You've served your bride. Even this very day, if there's someone here that don't know you, you'll come to the rescue if there's someone here is bound by besetting sin, you will come with your delivering power because you're here to serve your bride. How can we comprehend such a thing unless you help us? Day in and day out, Unlike, Father, what maybe many of us would identify as the life of a shepherd. But the shepherds would stay out in the rain, stay out in the cold. They would stay out in the sandstorms, which the winds would sometimes go over 75 miles an hour and blow that wind in your face and on your skin, and it would feel like being sandblasted. Jacob toiled and he labored. In the hunger, parched in the sun, for what? A wife. A wife. You were ridiculed, made fun of, laughed at. For what purpose? A wife. You become a shepherd. For what purpose? A wife you let them strip your clothes off of you and beat you till you hardly had strength to put one foot in front of the other down the Via Dolorosa. Till they had to get one Simon, a Cyrenian, to help bear your cross. Oh, Jesus, what I would have given to, if I could have lived there in that day, if them Roman soldiers would have looked at me And said help him bear his cross. I was not given the honor to help bear your cross and look over at you. As the blood streamed down your face. No doubt Simon must have got it on his body and on his face and his hands himself. Lord Jesus you wanted me to live in this day. Help me to be willing to bear your cross now Lord. Help me to be willing to bear the reproach of the word. Help me, Father, to give my all. Oh, Jesus, this is the secret. This is the secret to kenosis. How could he have ever done what he'd done for the joy that would lay before him? How could we go through what we do? We'll never be nothing but a bunch of miserable church members unless we fall so in love with you And everything we go through then for your sake will be but just a few days. Paul come to that spot for he said, I reckon that the present sufferings of this time, of this life, or this dispensation that we're going through are not even worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. Praise God. His love had been so, so unfolded into you. He was beat, he was whipped, he was stoned, left for dead, hated, despised, rejected. But yet he said, I've fought a good fight. I've kept the faith, I've finished my course. Henceforth, there's a crown of righteousness laid up for me and not for me only but for all them that love His appearing. Forgive us for complaining, Lord. Forgive us for failing you, Lord, so many times. Dear Jesus, may we have a fresh baptism of love today that will make our burdens lighter, our trials, our tests easier to bear. Put joy back into our hearts. And for the joy set before us, we will be also faithful to your cause. With every head bowed, I wonder how many would like to be remembered today before the Lord. The Lord sees your need, your desires, your requests. Not only you that are visible here today. Those of you who have streamed and those who have archived the service. May the Spirit of God help you. Help you. To be able to realize you are not your own. In Corinthians, Paul tells us, For ye are bought with a price. So if we take the life of the Lord Jesus and we would exchange it, how many humans would it take at God's current exchange rate? So 361 Zimbabwe dollars to buy one U.S. dollar. 0.8 euros to buy one U.S. dollar. So we have one life, Jesus Christ. So what is the exchange rate for that one life? I'll tell you how much billions... Billions of human lives. You see, he not only purchased from 33 AD, but he finalized the purchase. Also BCE, before the common era of BC. He went down into paradise and delivered Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. That one life had such buying power. He finalized redemption in the Old Testament and made a way where every man that would want to go, even if they're not bride, there was enough value in that life to purchase billions of human beings on the face of the earth today. That's what it was worth. I hope you can understand me. If there was a hundred million planets, and they all had life. And there was all seven billion people apiece on each one. There was enough value in that one life to purchase the entire universe. Praise God. Praise God. This was the bride price. May God forgive us for our complaining when he asks us to give up this or that or the other. Don't you love him, saints, with all your heart? I'm going to offer prayer for you. Just hold your needs, your request there in your heart. Lord Jesus, how can our poor minds comprehend such a thing? I thank you for allowing your prophet. To be able to express it to us in this way. I've read many of the writers who lived before him. I've read and looked at their comments on Genesis, looked at the great authors of scriptures, or scripture explanation rather, in books of this day. I've never found one that quite explained it like he did. There must have been a divine reason and a purpose for it to be expressed in this day. These quotes I just read from 1950 and 1951. Here we are in 2021. Lord God, open our hearts to it, I pray. There's not a one of us here today in our right mind could say that we are worthy. How could we be? When it would take... Billions of us. And even with billions of us together, if we were all good, we couldn't equal the exchange rate of what you were. But you had to be brought in a spendable form. And that was humanity. The eternal could not die. Spirit could not bleed. And the current exchange rate was a man for men. Hallelujah. Your exchange rate, oh great eternal, was that you would take one for everybody else. Praise God. Lord Jesus, minister to us today. Heal the sick. Fill those that don't have the Holy Ghost with such a baptism today, Father. Maybe there's many that needs a renewing, a refreshing, Father God. In the name of Jesus, may that great pillar of fire, which you divided yourself among us, has come back among us. May you give strength divine energy Lord to your people today now we do not come on our pre-assessed value we do not come on our value which was declared before we were redeemed but now we come on the value assessed by our new owner hallelujah hallelujah And our value increased so much that when we pray, we have more authority in heaven today than an angel which has never said one thing wrong or done one thing wrong. Are we we still unworthy? Of course we are. And our humanity, but that attribute which has been purchased and brought back into your presence stands there and all you hear is the voice of Jesus my human voice coming up to the paid price the blood of the lamb glory to god glory to god we worship you Lord Jesus oh hallelujah can we stand our feet Would you mind lifting your hands, your arms, your hands, up into the presence of God? You see, the Mohar has been received. You're receiving the Matan, even more of it today. Yeah, you know, gifts from the bridegroom to his bride. Don't think, well, I once was lost and these hands held cigarettes and these hands held held whiskey and, and I used to do this and that. Well, you used to, but if you're redeemed now, you've got holy hands to be able to raise in the presence of God. As he come to serve and minister unto you, now it's your turn to serve and minister unto him. Remember, the prophet said that Rebecca, when she took them camels and watered them, she watered the same thing that was going to pack her to her bridegroom. And he said, the Holy Spirit that we give praise and water to is the same thing that will pack us to our bridegroom. Praise God. Your debt has been paid, my friends. Glory be to God. You are no longer Miss Church of Christ. Miss Church of God, Miss Catholic, Miss Presbyterian, but you are Mrs. Jesus Christ. The mohar has been paid and received. Even the denominations and the preachers received benefit by Eliezer coming to the earth to find the bride. Praise be to God. But I want you to notice, Laban did not become bride. Neither did Rebekah's mother become bride. And the Bible tells us that Rebekah left following the man. But the Bible also tells us her maidens went with her. And so did her nurse, who was a very famous woman in Israel, by the name of Deborah. But Deborah did not go into the tent to meet Isaac. Neither did the foolish virgins. I mean, the women that followed along with her in the message. But what did they do? They followed along and they benefited in the message, the call. A lot of these people, don't you understand? All lot of these folks that are leaving the message, they wouldn't bribe in the first place. But they'd been better off to hang around where we were instead of going where they are now. Amen. The chances would have been much greater. But who was it that entered into the tent? It was Isaac. Rebecca. Rebecca. You young people. 15, 16, 17, 18, 20, whatever you are. Two examples laid before you today of women. Rebecca, a 16-year-old girl, daughter, who made up her mind to follow this man back to her future, her destiny. Or you've got Dina. You want to go out and look at the women of the world? See how they dance, see how they dress, see how they act? Get out and be caught up with a boy that don't really love you in the first place? And then you bear the shame of that, the reproach of that the rest of your life. Remember, once a boy takes that virtue away from you, you'll never, ever, as long as you live, be able to regain it. That is to be saved for one man. That is the man who lifts the veil from your face. You and him are joined together. Same with the bride of Christ. Our virtue don't belong to Laodicea. It don't belong to us getting rich. It don't belong to us this and that and other. We are servants of the Most High God. Our strength, everything we have, should be His. Praise God. Hey, let's worship together. Can we just worship Him just a little bit before we go? He found you up in the northern part too. Whenever she says... Quoting the Song of Solomon, I am black, or I am sunburnt, but I am comely. She sees herself as marked and wrinkled, but he looks at her and says, Oh, my dove, my fair one, fairest among all the women of the earth. He ain't talking about your flesh. He ain't talking about your humanity. I'm a Reagan. I'm no better than any of the rest of the Reagan clan. I'm Duff. You're no better than any of the rest of them. You're no better than any of the rest of your people as far as your human part. But now that hidden part, that soul, now we're talking about a different world. You see, once he come and paid the Mohar, he was able to come back into the exchange booths And exchange himself and go back into the form of the pillar of fire. And then he himself come on what form? It wasn't blood that got in Peter on the day of Pentecost. Come on. It wasn't the literal blood of Jesus. What was it? The original pre-exchange form. Pillar of fire. Praise God. Don't you understand? The exchange was just to get you. Don't you see what lays in front of us? The exchange booths. You thought Clark Kent done something when he walked in there and walked out Superman. Ha, that ain't nothing compared to what's fixing to happen to you, brother, sister. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Remember, the third pull, the part of that vision was old people coming across the platform, sick and maimed and all kinds of things, and they come out on the other side, healed, healed. We go in poor, we go in sick, we go in missing an arm, missing two or three fingers, and we walk out on the other side, 18 years old. Praise be to God, and an eternal human body. Glory be to God. Sing some, Harry. Let's just worship him a little before we go, can we? Or ain't it good to be here today. Amen. Thank
0: you, Jesus. This yearning deep you, within me yes. reaches out to you. Yes, Father. Your, oil of joy, Your oil of joy for morning. Thank you, Jesus. Soaks me, makes me new. And I will go to the secret place.
1: today my Lord little did Rebecca know there at the well receiving those gifts would change her life forever if she would have stayed there in Haran married a local boy she would have appeared in Genesis 24 and then disappeared we probably would never heard anything else from her again as a 16-year-old girl accepting this great challenge. Hallelujah. And she, in an invisible union, joined her heart to a man she had never seen before. As I read it this morning, and Brother Random said, whenever I see him, he said, Brother Random, what if he's dark? He said, it won't really matter. I've never seen him that way, he said, but it'll be love at first light, sight. He said, I know I love him so much. I don't care what he looks like. If you're black, Jesus, that's fine with me. If you look like a Jew, if you're as white as a sack of flour, that don't make no difference to me. The color of your skin matters nothing to us. It's who you are and what you are and your glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We worship you, Lord God. Thank you, blessed God. Go with us now, Lord, as we leave this place. May we think on these things, Father. May it make us different people. We worship you today, blessed Jesus. Thank you, Father. And the church said, don't you appreciate his grace to you? Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. You see, we were like Hosea's wife. When God said, go, buy to yourself a woman. She was a prostitute. He took her to himself, paid the money, but he couldn't tame her. She was still that wild at heart. She went back out. But somebody told him there was an auction going on one day. He thought it might have been her. So Hosea went down to the auction. They weren't selling cars, cows, dogs, or horses. They were selling people. Here she walked up on the elevated place where they would tell him. And you imagine they'd open their mouth and show their teeth and pull back their skin and show their skin if his man they'd show his arms and here Oseah saw the bid started going he went higher and higher somebody else bid against him somebody else bid against him somebody else he bid to the moon and back hallelujah I wonder what she thought. Oh no. What's he going to do? He bought me. Is he going to kill me? Is he going to beat me? What's he going to do? But he said, I've come to take you home. Praise God. What we think when his bids were so high, I'll give a legion, two legions, ten legions. I'll give stars. I'll give the universe. And then he placed the highest bid that could even be thought and imagined. I will give myself. All the rest of the buyers had to drop their heads in shame. to beat you to whip you to love you he wants to love you every step of your journey back to the house for in my father's house for many mentions can we sing that chorus together I've come to take you home let's sing this together before we go Oh, look, we're only having one service on the weekend. We can stay a little bit longer. Hallelujah. He said, I've come to take you home. I know that you've done wrong. But for you, I gave my life. Through the sorrow, pain, and strife,
2: I never let you go. Let's leave the past behind. for our conquers one more time. Thank you, Lord.
1: He took her. I've come to take you home Let's sing that chorus again Oh, I've come to take
2: you home Well, right, I know that you've done wrong
0: But for you I gave my life Through the sorrow pain and strife I couldn't let you go That there's a new day just ahead. I've come to take you home.
1: Blessed Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the service. Thank you for speaking to our hearts, Lord, once again. May you go with us now. Watch over us. Keep us by your grace. Till we all hear that call, come, let's go home. We're longing for it, Lord Jesus. May there not be a one of us missing at that day. We ask, Father, in Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you, saints. so love you. I appreciate you, Brother Aaron, if you'll come. For those of you that like to give an offering toward our building facility and all that, that we're doing, the Deacon Brothers will be having uh, some baskets right by the back door there. You can just drop your offering down in the door there. God bless you. I love you. See you, Lord willing, Wednesday. Thank you, Lord.
0: Amen. Let's just sing this little song as you go this morning. Amen. You can be dismissed oh and the reason that i'm standing stands in front of me and every battle that i fall will fade from memory When it seemed I stood alone And Christian kept my focus on the throne So many times I have recalled The Savior's word so true If you won't be ashamed of me Then I won't be of you And so I'll proudly stand until I see The road has not been easy, and at times I've lost my way. So often I've stumbled, searching for the light of day. Circumstances all around me, I thought I'd surely fall. When the whispering of doubt and fear a chance a so hero